Welcome to the home of the blessed people, and here is our host pastor, Pastor Dayo Ademo. The secret place part four, right now. If you remember last week, I gave, or last two weeks, I gave you an assignment. Because the word of our theme scripture says in Psalm 91, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And we have analyzed even the benefits we get and so on and so forth. But one thing is clear, that in the secret place, in the secret place, in the secret place, one thing is clear, that we have to know who the Almighty is and who the Most High is before we can actually get the benefits of the secret place. We need to know who the Most High is and who also is the Almighty God. In the first service, we were able to discuss about the Most High. How was the first service, by the way? <laughs> Did you gain something? Praise God. Hallelujah. We, had, we needed to know the Most High, and we saw that because Abraham was connected to the Most High. We looked at the principle of first mention. Because Abraham was connected to the Most High, we saw how deliverance came. We saw how protection came. We saw how his life was turned around because of his connection to the highest authority, to the El Elyon. Praise God. And God will connect you to the highest authority himself. But the conditions, like we have been saying, is that you must learn to dwell with the highest authority. You must learn to stay with him. Amen. So once again, in this second service, we want to first lay foundation of the things we have learned. Because this is our month of a secret place. It's our month that we are setting ourselves aside to dwell with him in the secret place. We are learning that the King of Glory wants us to come and dwell with him in the secret place. We have learned that he has been waiting for us in the secret place. One of the reasons why we do what we do, why we fast and pray, is because he's the God of the secret. The Word of God tells us in Matthew 6, 6 and Matthew 6, 18, that there is a God of the secret. And this God of the secret rewards in the open. And this same scripture helps us to know the activities that take place in the secret place. That the secret place is a place where we pray. The secret place is a place where we fast. In fact, the Bible was careful to let us know. He said, when we pray, it's not if we pray. He expects us to pray. He, ex he says, when we fast, in 6.18, he said, when we fast, he expects us to fast. So these are the two common activities that take place in the secret place. People pray and people fast in the secret place. Praise God. People pray and people do what? People fast. Praise God. So we learned these things over the year, over, over, the, last time, over the last two series we've, we've, we've taken into consideration. First Peter 5, 6 says, uh, I mean, looking at why do we fast? We said God's appointed way of humbling ourselves before him was to fast. 
Fasting does not make God more powerful to do what he wants to do in our lives, no. Fasting aligns us. Fasting sets us to be in the center line of God's will. Sometimes we are out of alignment. It's fasting that brings us in alignment. Fasting helps us to, be, to, be, to, to come to the center place where God can reach us and meet with us. Praise God. The word of God says in 1 Peter 5, 6, Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you. Fasting helps us to position ourselves so that God can lift us. The lifter up of our head can lift us. James 4.10 says, when we humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, God will lift us up. I speak under the sound of God's unction this morning that there is somebody under the sound of my voice that will be lifted beyond his or her wildest dreams and imagination. If you are that person, shout a good amen. I said, God will lift you in this season. God will promote you in this season. God will set you on high in this season in the name of Jesus. From the previous series, we have learned that we both fast and pray in the secret place. Number two, he expects us in the secret place. Number three, he sees in the secret place. He sees us in the secret place. Number four, he rewards openly. He rewards openly after the secret place. He expects you there, he expects me there. The secret place is a place where God expects all his children to know and all his children to be. A lot of people want open reward. But the thing is, if he does not see you in the secret, you are not qualified for that open reward. You remember the disciples in Matthew chapter 17? Matthew chapter 17, verse 21. They were facing a challenge. They were to cast out devils. Maybe some of us should take a cue from this. Maybe why our voices are not being heard in the realm of the spirit is because we have not been present in the secret place. You have been present in the public place, they hear your voice. Even from two kilometers, they can recognize your voice. Praise God. But in the secret place, is your voice known? Does God know you? Does he know you in the secret? Because this is the rule. This is the principle. He said the Lord that sees in the what? In the secret. Will do what? Will reward you openly. What he was telling the disciples when he was saying, such things does not go except by fasting and prayer. What he was trying to tell them is that I didn't see you in the secret. No reward in the open. Praise God. I hope you take a cue from that today. That you will pursue after the God of the secret. You will go after the God of the secret. So that the God of the secret can fulfill his promise and reward in the hope. The question is this, where is the secret, ladies and gentlemen? We learned this in times past. It is where the God of secret sees his children on one-to-one. This is the time of being alone with him. This is the time of setting your face like a flint on him. This is the time he wants you and him to have conversations. These are the times he wants to rub his mind on you. He wants you to rub your mind on him. That secret place. 
the place of one-on-one -on -one with the Lord God Almighty. This is the place he sets up his residence with his children. It's a place of dwelling. It's a place he wants you to live, move, and have your being. Many believers are expected to be in the secret place, but many don't have a closet life. Many only have clothes, perfumes, designer bags, and designer clothes in their closets. The God of the secret is not in their closet. Now you know the secret place. Now you know the activities that take place in the secret place. You need to have a personal revelation of whom you have come to meet with in the secret place. Can you put Psalm 91 on the screen again for the people of God to see? Psalm 91 is our theme scripture in this month of the secret place and in this season, in this series of the God of the secret. Amen. He said, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high. Underline the word most high shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And he started saying the things that will start happening to such people. We summarized it. We said there are three categories of manifestation of what happens to those who dwell in the secret. Number one, they will enjoy protection. Everybody say protection. Write it down, protection. No evil shall befall you. No plague will come near your dwelling place. 24-7, you are divinely protected. A thousand can fall at your left, 10,000 at your right. None, 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 not even half, not quarter, not a little bit will come near you. That's the protection you enjoy if you know the God of the secret. Amen? The next thing you are going to enjoy in knowing the God of the secret, in dwelling with this God of the secret, is what, number two? Dominion. You will have dominion. You will have authority over the enemy. Not only will he protect you, you are going to have power over the enemy. That's another layer. It's not only protection. It's not only being on the defensive. You are going to have an offensive on him. You are going to have authority. You are going to exercise authority, dominion over the devil. And number three, love. You are going to experience his unusual love. You are going to experience his unusual love. It will only be, is it only you? Yeah, it's only me, you know. I'm his beloved. Hallelujah. Praise God. Those are three things you enjoy in knowing the God of a secret. Hallelujah. But now, as you can see, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. In the first service, we dealt with the Most High. We knew who the Most High is. We looked at the principle of first mention. We went into the scriptures to see the first place that the word Most High came up in the scriptures. Although, it's argued that, okay, that's El Shaddai. Let me not go there. Let's just, let's just stay with the Most High. Uh, that all went with the first service, uh, learning about the Most High, El Elyon, the highest authority that will be, that will ever be, that will ever be for the rest of our days, that will ever be forever and ever. The highest of the highest. They could be high authorities, but he's higher than them all. Amen? And uh, we discussed all that in the first service, what that means. Now, in this service, we want to look at him he says, 
if you dwell in the secret place of the Most High, then you shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Then we need to know who is the Almighty. Who is the Almighty? Like I started in this series, one thing you have to know about God is that God has many strands. He has many strands. And the revelation of each strand of God reveals his nature, his character, and his capacity. When you know God as God that can do something, because every, whatever his capacity states, the scriptures lets, me, lets us know that there are 114 names he has. In those 114 names, every name is a revelation of his nature, of his character, and of his capacity. So you must truly know him for who he is and what he is. Because if you don't know him by his name, if you don't know him by his nature, his character, and capacity, you will not be able to enhance what he's able to do for you. Praise God. For example, you can walk into a church like this, so some people know, some, some people know uh, other things I'm able to do. Praise God. I'm a pastor by God's grace, by calling. But also by training, I'm an engineer. When your house needs extension, praise God. Hallelujah. And you need an engineer to stamp it. Praise God. Hallelujah. Your pastor can do that for you free. Free. Praise God. Now, now, if you don't know that, you can't enhance that in me. She said, oh, this one, he only knows Bible. He doesn't know, know anything about engineering. Praise God. That's not only the thing you can gain. Praise God. I'm an associate professor. I teach. So some of the engineering, I mean, not engineer, well, engineering students and uh, mathematics students, computer students who do mathematics, they don't know I understand mathematics. So when I say open to Genesis, so all they think when they come to church is he only knows Genesis and Exodus and Numbers and Leviticus, Old Testament, New Testament. He, does, he can't help me in that area. But there's another part of me that can help you in that area. Praise God. Now, not, not only that. Praise God. I'm a licensed psychotherapist. That means... I can help people with challenges, psychological challenges. Now, I have the skill set. I'm licensed to do that. And people pay a lot of money for that outside, but you can get it here. For how much? You like that free too much. <laughs> Amen? You can get it free. Now, it's the same person but in many strands. Are you understanding that? So when you look at God, now, now it's not only me. There are people here. They are professionals. Praise God. But they know how to plate hair. Not that I have many on mine. Praise God. But they can plate hair. So you go to them, you just see them as, oh, they do this, they do that. Oh, she's a, he's a nurse and all that. Or she's a nurse and all that. But, but there's another strand of him or her that, hey, Wait a minute, I can benefit from this person. Praise God. Are you getting my point? That the almighty God 
has many strands. So there are many parts of God you can tap into and have it, well, you have been saying free a lot, you can have it on a pedestal of excellence for yourself. Because he's your God, he's your father, but he's not only a God and a father like that, he has many other things. He can be your supplier, he can be your protector, he can be your deliverer, he can be your salvation. There are so many strands in God. Praise God. And until I know, until I know that God has that capacity, I may not be able to tap into it. I may not be able to, just like I was saying, some people think all I know is Bible, all I know is being a pastor. No. There are other areas, just like you too. There are other areas of your life that you are skilled in. Praise God. I have a brother there. He's in charge of maintenance in this church. All he has done in his life is banking. But when that brother gets tools, bolts, and joints together, you'll be shocked. That what a minute, wait a minute. Praise God. That's another nature in him. So I'm trying to tell you that in God, there are other things you can benefit. And how do we know the other things we can benefit in God? By his name. Now, one of his names that is being revealed to us now here is the Almighty. Everybody say Almighty. Is the Almighty God. Now, we have to have the revelation of who the Almighty is before we can tap into this. The same way, we go by the principle of first mention. Where was the first word Almighty used in the Bible? Now, there are many times the word Almighty was mentioned in the scriptures, maybe about 40 times. But the principle of first mention helps us. By studying the first time it was mentioned, we could genuinely see the capacity, his nature, his capacity, and his character on the matter. So let's go over the scriptures to the book of Genesis chapter 17 verse 1. That was the first time the word almighty was used in the scriptures. Well, let me balance it because you don't know where this message is going. There are other theologians who can say, well, pastor, even though I know you're a sound theologian, uh, you are wrong on that statement. Well, I'm not wrong. I'm right. Uh, the book of Job. Yeah, yeah, it's good to quickly tell people. Uh, the book of Job is the first book, oldest book to man, and uh, Almighty was used in the book of Job as well. So, but, you know, chronologically speaking, the Bible was not written in chronological order. So, uh, the, the, book of, the book of Job precedes this story in Genesis. But all the same, to us, that's when it was first mentioned. So, let's go to Genesis 17. Praise God. Amen. Yeah, it's good to balance things. You never know where the scriptures is going. I mean, the message is going. Okay. And Abraham was how many years old? Ninety years old and nine. Don't worry. It's the King James English. Just get used to the poetic ways. Instead of saying he was 99 years old, he said he was 90 years old and nine. It makes it sweeter. That's it. Amen. All right. 
And the Lord appeared unto Abraham and said unto him, I am the almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. Wow. Who are you coming to meet in the secret place? It's easy to say that I've come to meet with God in the secret place. But the strands of God you need in the secret place is being revealed to us. For this God of the secret that rewards openly, he's saying you must know God as the most high. Hello? As the most high. If you want to get the fullness of that, go and listen to the first message today. I will not be tempted to go back to that. Then, the second part is to know him as what? The almighty. The Shaddai in Hebrew. Shaddai, that's what it's called. The almighty. He's full of might. There is no power, no entity that is as powerful as him. The first part is talking of authority. The most high. The most high. No authority is higher than him. He's the highest of the highest authority. No authority, the authority of sickness cannot override him. The authority of disease cannot override The authority of the land, the laws of the land does not authorize, does not nullify his authority. He's higher. Apologies to Canada, the, the authority of God is higher than all the authority of the constitution of this country. Or any constitution of any country in any part of the world is higher than them all. I said it's higher than them all. Now, that's in authority. But we learned on, on Friday, and you guys should come for Bible study, I've been telling you. We learned in Bible study that authority is as good as the power backing it. So which power is backing? Then he's saying, I am the almighty. Every power combined together in the whole world is not fit to talk or challenge the power of the Almighty. There are powers, there are principalities and there are powers. Powers do exist, but the power of the Almighty supersedes them all. The power of Shaddai cannot be compared to any other power that is, that will be, or that is to come. Amen. Everybody say Shaddai. Yeah. That's the almighty God. Now, Shaddai makes a demand. If Shaddai is going to be Shaddai to you, if Shaddai is going to show up for you, he places a demand. Everybody say demand. Uh -huh. If you want Shaddai to show up, he calls for a perfect walk. Hello? You remember in the first service I was saying, you have to bring something to the table. Amen? You remember when I was teaching that in the first service? I said, you don't come with nothing. Nothing times anything is what? Nothing. It's zero. The lady came to the prophet in 2 Kings chapter 4. The prophet said, you, you must bring something that God can work with. 
He said, I have nothing. The prophet said, no, <laughs> your analysis is wrong. There's nothing we can do if you have nothing. He said, except, uh -huh, that except, bring it. God will walk with it. The mistakes we often make is that, look, this relationship with God is you and him. You come to the table with something. That's, that, every time you see the scripture, the promise, ask for your responsibility in the promise. What is my responsibility? You see, that's where the message of uh, greasy grace has damaged a lot of uh, believers. He's with no responsibility. The kingdom is never like that. The nature of God refuses that. It comes with responsibility. Praise God. What is my part in this thing? Even salvation comes with responsibility. It's free, but you have a part to play. Praise God. Even if I want to give you something free, let's, let's break it down. I want to give you something free. Okay. I want to give you something. Are you going to sit down to receive it? Uh -huh. How will you? Yeah, no, you don't even have to stand up. You can stretch your hand. I know. Thank you. God will honor you. I know you wanted to honor me. Huh? Huh? You want to? <laughs> but, but what I'm trying to say, what I'm trying to say is that he has to do something. If I give you a check and you take the checkbook to Walmart and say, I have a check of $1,000 here. Give me all this. This is the check. Ah, uh -uh. doesn't work. You have to take that check and still go to the bank and do something. Do you understand? You have to do something. Everybody say, I have to do something. I have a responsibility. So El Shaddai here, praise God. Praise God. Now, El Shaddai here is saying, then work becomes... It's saying here, if I'm going to show up for you, then you will walk before me and be what? Perfect. You will walk before me. Not walk behind me. Not walk anyhow. You will walk before me. Then I shall die will show up for you. I'll bring you that protection. I'll bring you that provision. I'll bring you that deliverance. I'll bring you that love. I'll bring you that dominion. But you will walk before me and be perfect. Now, if you notice, the person he's talking to here is who? Abraham. Now, before then, Abraham had a promise. Now, let's go and look at the life of Abraham a little bit and pay attention to this because I believe it's a revelation that will change you forever. Now, Abraham was not born a Christian or somebody who knew God in his early age. No. He was, his father's name was Terah. Terah, he was from the Chaldeans and Terah was an idol worshiper. He worshipped idols. In Genesis 12, God met with Abraham and called him out of his father's house, out of his 
father's idols and all. And he said he was going to build a nation, he was going to build a family through him, and so on. We'll see the promise in Genesis 12, 1 to 3. Can you quickly put that on the screen? I'll keep on going if you do it. Okay. Now the Lord has said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country, from thy kindred, from thy father's house, unto the land I will show thee. Verse 2. Go on. And I will make thee a great nation. I will bless thee, and I will take thy name and make it great, and thou shalt be a blessing. Verse 3. Verse 3. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curse thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God started with him, made a covenant with him, and said, okay, this is how it's going to be from now. He met with him. Now, there were a lot of other activities that happened from that. We can call this salvation. We can call this when God meets with us as a Christian. When we just newly meet with God and praise God for that. Things were happening and God loves us. God showed us his love even when we didn't deserve it. He saved us and so on. Then he went on. In Genesis chapter 12, just after meeting him, there was famine in the land. He had to go to Egypt. Uh, circumstances of life do happen. Situations happen. And uh, don't forget the promise of God was still on him. He still had the co covenant. But getting to Egypt, Abraham freely told lies. Are you listening to me? There was stuff in his life he was still dealing with. Amen? Genesis 13, the Lot issue came up. Genesis 14, he rescues Lot. Genesis 15, issues with him doubting God came up. You know, sometimes even as believers, we have the promises of God. We don't see any manifestation. What starts happening to us? What starts happening to us? Start doubting. We start, you know, you know, unbelief is a sin. There's a sin of unbelief. When you say the Almighty cannot do it, the Almighty can't handle this. Oh, I give up. Do you know we often give up? We have believed for a while, but we are tired. We are tired. Somebody still came to my office this week. He said, Pastor, I'm tired. I'm tired of praying. I'm and I can feel her. I know what she's saying. She's tired. She's just tired. Life can be unfair sometimes. She's just tired. She felt like giving up. Praise God. It does happen. Amen? But it happens when we don't know whom we're dealing with. This, that's why we go back to check. Anyway, let's go on. Genesis 15, he had issues with God, doubted God. God showed up to him. God, God went through the covenant process with him. He said, okay, is this still going to be Eliezer? After all the demonstrations of God, do you know Abraham still didn't believe? Abraham was still having his doubts. In 16, in Genesis 16, to confirm that he had his doubt, he went into Haggai. So that he can have who? Who? Ishmael. Was Ishmael the promise? Wasn't it true, Sarah? God said he was going to have it. Uh, we do that too. We say, let's help God. Let's help God. He's no more the Almighty. He can't do this. We know he can do many things, but this one, leave it alone. I bear with God. He's no more the Almighty. That's his 16. By the time Genesis 17, God said, Enough. Abraham, you will walk before me. 
and you'll be perfect. No more hanky-panky. No more to the left, no more to the right. You will stay at the center of my will. Matthew 5.48, let's quickly read it. Because if you really want the manifestation of the Shaddai in your life, then you must be ready to pay the price he demands. He said you will walk before him. He places a demand. Everybody say demand. It's a demand by God himself. If you want him to show up for you in this dimension, you will walk before him and be perfect. Oh, but pastor, nobody is perfect. How can everybody be perfect? No, 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 no. Nobody is perfect. You are right. But he wants your heart to be perfect towards him. Praise God. Where does he want to be perfect before him? Your heart. You can make mistakes. We are human. Humans make mistakes. That's why they are humans. They are not gods. Praise God. But let it be a mistake of the head, not of the heart. Amen? Let your heart always be right before God. What did he say there? Be ye therefore. What did he say? Read it yourself. So that it doesn't. Pastor said we should all be perfect. Read it there. Who, who, who? Be ye therefore. Be ye therefore. Who? Uh-huh. Be ye therefore perfect. As who is perfect? As who is perfect? Uh-huh. So who said it? Pastor. Who said it? You are being quiet on me now. Who said it? Who said it? Ah, God said it. Praise God. Squeeze your face all you like. God said it. Amen? Okay. So, where is he calling us unto perfection? He's calling us unto perfection in the area of our hearts. We will walk before him. Where we are wrong, we are wrong. Stop having a cookie party on you being wrong. You are wrong, you are wrong. Change, repent. That's it. Praise God. And if you are right, celebrate you are right. Praise God. Be ye therefore perfect because, before, because your Father in heaven is perfect and because your Father in heaven lays demands on you to be perfect. So you need to be perfect. But the question is, how do I go on this journey of perfection? Jesus broke it down for us in Matthew 22. Listen very well as I bring this message to a close. Matthew 22, 37 to 39. Trust me, me too, I don't like too much of preaching uh, responsibility messages. You don't get too popular as a pastor. People don't say good message after service. You know, that kind of a thing. No good word. Say, oh, did I hurt the people today? And being a pastor like me, I really like people smiling. And I really, uh, oh, maybe I hurt them too much today. Uh, what's going on? Nobody liked my message today. Uh, 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 didn't I preach well? Then I get to my couch at home. I ask my wife, didn't I do well today? Uh, what happened today? <laughs> Praise God. I don't like responsibility. <laughs> Uh, but when people say, hey, hey, when people are shouting out, ah, the message today was fantastic. Another one would say it was concastic. You know, uh-huh. You say, yeah, you preach well today. 
But when it's responsibility messages, people are sober. After service, they are just sober. To smile will become difficult. Praise God. Squeeze your face all you want and preach. Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. Jesus will make you laugh. I pray for you. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. 22:37. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God. With what? With all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And number two, you will love your neighbor as yourself. Go to 38. He said, this is the first and great commandment. To love God. How? With all your... Oh, go back there. Go back there. 37. Let people see it. You love God. With what? With all your heart. With all your soul. And with all your mind. That's the first and greatest commandment. 39 now. 39. And the second is like unto thee. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as yourself. Verse 40, please. Verse 40. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Everything in life to do right. It's on those two laws. Love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with everything you have, and love your neighbor as yourself. Maybe in the preview of time, I can only take one to love God. Praise God. Beloved, we have no choice in this matter. If we really want the God of the secret to reward us in the open, and we have seen this El Shaddai, this Shaddai God, and he places a demand on our work, and we are seeing what work he's saying. He's saying we have to love him with everything we have. Everything. Everybody say everything. Everything. That's the demand he's laying. We will love him with everything we have. And what are the three directions of this love? Number one, you will love him in the area of your consecration. You'll be consecrated to him. Consecration is talking about your holiness. God says, I'm a jealous God. Consecration is talking about your separatedness unto him and him alone. Every work of the flesh must not show up again in your life. Anger, malice, unforgiving spirit. Fornication, adultery, filthiness of the flesh, filthiness of the spirit. If you love God, those things, the scripture says in one place, should not even be mentioned amongst you. It's a colossal damage for you to be mentioned. Not to even say you are doing it. To be mentioned. Just a statement like that amongst you. It shows you don't love God. We are talking about those who dwell in the secret place now. And what's the point of being in the secret place and there's no character of the one in the secret place that is revealing in you? What's the point? What's the point? Praise God. He says all these things should not even be mentioned. Should not be mentioned. He said we have denounced the hidden works of darkness. 
We have said no to the hidden works of darkness. We are not going to participate in them anymore. So consecration simply means, this is where I used to be. I'm no longer there. I've stepped away from what I used to be. I'm now committed to what I ought to be. I've moved a step towards it. It means I used to go to the club before. Now I don't go to the club again. But I'm not just here. I'm still looking at the club. I'm here. All the bad, bad things I used to do, I do them no more. What a great change, Caesar. No, you don't just stay there. This was club. I've left club. Now I am soaked in God. I'm far from it now. Something else has replaced club life in my life. Amen? I used to have unforgiving spirit. I've stopped that, but I'm not close to it. I'm far, even right now, I distribute forgiveness before people even offend me. Do you understand that? That's consecration. You have separated yourself from what you used to be. You have now separated yourself unto him and him alone. Oh, some music I used to listen to before. And some of you, we need to check your music bank. Praise God. Your music bank is still music from the wilderness. Music that elevates things that are wrong. Music that promotes bad, bad things. You shouldn't, they shouldn't even be mentioned amongst you. You still listen to them. Amen? It's a long time I left it. The only one that wants to give example is Michael Jackson right now. Some of you don't even know Michael Jackson, who he is. Praise God. Amen? Amen? He said, you have left it. Now, what has replaced it? Do you still go there once in a while, or you've replaced your music bank with gospel songs, with songs that sing to who? To the Shaddai, to the Most High, that sings to the Almighty. Are you listening to me today? So that's the first area you show your love to. In consecration. Number two, in commitment. In commitment. Oh, 21st century Christians don't like commitment anymore. I can do whatever I like. Commitment. People are no commitment to God anymore. Praise God. People turn their back on you with, without even a blink. Praise God. I know people who have walked to me when this church started. Pastor, we are with you. Forever we are with you. We will stand. Thank God for one of the founding members of this church is in the house today. Praise God. Very lovely, very wonderful. See, this particular sister, when she got married, she got married to a pastor. And she said, Pastor, I will still be coming for midweek service. I said, ah, ah, ah. But that's commitment. She was that committed that this is her church. She was that committed. Until I said, ah, no, 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 don't worry. Praise God. I have released you with all my heart before she now left and joined her, her husband fully. Praise God. Commitment. Commitment. Say, we will be with you forever, Pastor. 
In fact, some people, I thought even if I leave this church, they will still, I will meet them here. Even when Jesus comes, you see them. Ah, long ago. Praise God. Long ago. Commitment. Are you committed to God? Do you change your language? You are saying God is good today. But tomorrow, what are you saying about God? You are not sure. This was the same church I used to be happy about. It was the same church you used to be glad about. This was the same church that God did many, many things, uncountable things for you. But today, just to tell your neighbor about your church, hmm, it shows the extent of your commitment. But you know God is never, God will still be committed. Even in our unfaithfulness, he remains what? He remains faithful. Commitment. Are you committed to the things of God? Before you used to serve. Even the way you used to serve, you were so intimidating to other people. That people who didn't serve felt bad for not serving. But you, now, today, they are begging you to serve God. Begging you. Begging you. They have sent emissaries to you. Heaven has sent. Earth has sent. Pastorate has sent. Committee of friends have sent. You see? Mm. Is sit down, you say your prayer, I say amen, and there's no fight. That's where you are now. Commitment. Commitment. The devil has succeeded in making sure that your service is no longer a threat to his kingdom. So some of you say, Oh, I just like serving from the back. Praise God. <laughs> I checked the Bible, serving from the back. I don't see any service from the back there. Amen. Praise God. Commitment. People don't honor commitments anymore. In my younger days with a handshake, a commitment is made. But now, you sign paper. After signing paper, we have to go to the lawyer. After lawyer, notary public must stamp it. And after notary public stamps it, we must register it in the court. Commitment. What kind of a world have we lived in? Commitment. Praise God. I can never stop talking about the story in this Second World War, where the captain took his troops to the island. And he told his troops, we are either going to win this war or we die here. We are committed to fighting this battle. And to demonstrate that there is no going back, the ship that brought them to the island, he told his troops, burn it down. So there's no way of escape. There's no way we are going. We are here together forever. So you see that we fight to win or we fight to lose, or we fight to die, rather. So, commitment. Check your commitment. Are you still committed to God? Is your love for God still driving the commitment inside of you? That this thing, for the rest of it's me and God, is non-negotiable. The devil comes, negotiates, negotiates, people come, mm -mm. it's me and God. Tempting commitment. The last one, which I will not be able to finish today, our time is fast spent, is character. Just put it there. 
character. That is your behavior. The Bible says he has left for you and I an example that will follow in his step. Is your behavior like that of Christ? Check yourself. The way you are behaving right now, will Jesus behave that way? Will he do things that way? Is that your way or the highway? That's not life. That's not the what Shaddai is looking for. That's not what he's looking for. He said, walk before me and be thou perfect. He said, judge yourself so that you will not be judged. Is it right? Everybody is telling you that this is wrong. Your best friend told you. Your friends told you. Those from afar told you. Those that are near told you. You are still right. So every other person is wrong. In fact, they should give you a label. Mr. Right Excellence. Amen. Character. Let me give you scripture for that. It's 1 Peter 2.21. He has left us an example that we follow in his steps. Judge it by Christ. Will Jesus do what I'm doing? It's simple. Even <laughs> when I didn't know Bible this much, and I believe it's the same for everybody. When you put Jesus in that situation, you know exactly that Jesus wouldn't behave that, this way. Isn't it so? We all have a mental picture of what Jesus would do. Isn't it so? And now you are being quiet on me. Mm. We all know what Jesus would do. We know. Even if we don't know the scripture, we know Jesus won't do this. We know exactly what Jesus would do. Praise God. And then, when we are now told to be like Christ, to do things the same way Jesus would do, then you say, I'm not Jesus, I'm not Jesus, I'm not Jesus. Jesus is Jesus. My name is Diadema, I'm not Jesus. Praise God. That's not it. That's not it. Walk before me and be perfect. Then you will enjoy the benefits of Shaddai. Rise on your feet like a champion. Praise God. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you have been blessed by the word today. Please join our services live every Sunday, 9 a.m. and 1045 a.m. and Bible study every Friday, 7 p.m. at 95 Church Street, St. Catharines. We hope you have a wonderful week ahead and God bless you.